0: Let's do this together. Happy Friday, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I am super grateful that you are spending time here with me on your journey to becoming the conscious mama you were born to be. Today, we have another amazing podcast discovery call. I'm super excited for this one once again. And remember, if you would like your own personal podcast discovery call if I can spit it out Uh, the link is in the bio to book whenever you want or make sure you're on the email list um, when the email comes time to call out for free ones the podcast ones like the ones you're hearing right now so without further ado let's get to today's episode tell me about your fertility journey um, as today
1: um well I started um trying to conceive after we got married a little over three years ago. And um, we tried for a year naturally, like you kind of have to, you know, the doctors won't see you till then. So I got referred to a fertility um, department with my doctors, uh, my insurance, I guess. And so we tried um, five IUIs with them, um, two with Famara, three with Clomid, didn't work, I produced, you know, mature enough eggs for them, um, and that was, yeah, IUI straight to IUIs, and then I went to another fertility specialist, they said, there's not much more you can do, you know, you have to go somewhere else. So to the other one, you know, I have to pay cash. We tried three more IUIs with injections. That didn't work. Um, And so, well, in the beginning, I I got testing for a few months, actually, when I first started with the the fertility clinic, found out I had Hashimoto's. I never had gotten tested for that, even though I knew I had hypothyroidism um, for many years and had been taking pills. So um, then after the, all the eight IUIs, um, we decided to, yeah, go ahead and go with IVF. So um, continued to just get more testing done. They wanted to do their own testing. So um, for my husband and for myself went through IVF (laughs) and I produced, uh seven eggs two were really small so really that was five and out of the five only two were able to create embryos and so they um transferred both of those embryos about i think it was like like on the third day maybe fourth day after the um retrieval and they didn't take so um I was devastated, so I decided to take a break. And so, and I've been in, you know, getting into some of the more natural ways of helping um, myself. They did say because of the low percentage, I had low ovarian reserve, which they can't really know until they do IVF. So um, they said that much. It should be 80% that creates embryos, and I had a very low percentage. So, um, less than half. So, um, I decided to take a break and it's since then it's been, um, going on six months now that I started to cut stuff out of my, my diet, like at least reduce like the gluten and the dairy and the grains. Um, and then I linked up with the dietitian with like a functional medicine background about two months ago. And so I've been, completely like gluten-free and um, dairy-free and just sticking to that. I have rice and oatmeal sometimes because she says it's gluten-free, but um, other than that, I've been really just focusing on the, you know, um, organic grass-fed meats, eating more fish um, and vegetables and um, just sticking to it so that, you know, I can help heal my gut. I did take, you know, birth control for many years, which she said was a issue. And I did take Accutane as well. And so she says, you really, you know, cause I wanted to try soon IVF again, but she said to wait, um, that I needed, you know, at least a good three to four months of just trying to heal my gut first. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm waiting, um, yeah. until then.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's definitely right on that. Um, have you done a food sensitivity test with her?
1: I have not. Okay. Have not.
0: Um, okay, so I don't know if she's explained this to you, but I'll explain it to you and for the listeners too. When you get a diagnosis of Hashimoto's, um, you obviously you were on, you knew you you had a thyroid issue for a long time anyways, you're on medication for it. It has to be pretty bad to get to that diagnosis for Western medicine to go, oh, we're gonna look at that now, right? And so what's happened with um, with your thyroid is that um, the medication has just been like a Band-Aid to keep you going, right? And you probably already know a lot of this. And over time, the issue Gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And because you have this band aid or you have this medication to, you know, control the things, especially linked to fertility, um, it um, just causes a whole cascade of issues. So with Hashimoto's, your um, antibodies would have been super elevated, right? Um, your, your antibodies would have been really a- elevated for many years before that diagnosis would take place, but Western medicine doesn't do a full thyroid panel to really have a look at that stuff. Um, with the birth control, the Accutane, let's just say life in general, right? Growing up in the, the 80s, 90s, 2000s, our diets weren't the best. Um, so yeah, totally spot on your gut health would have been incredibly low. And this is um, gonna lead to high inflammation. This is why your body's been attacking your thyroid. So your antibodies, your natural killer cells has been up, you know, attacking that. But what it's been doing towards the egg quality too is just, um, you gotta think of your eggs like as a seed in a pot. And um, it's a cell, it's one of the biggest cells in your body. And it, it literally mimics the environment of what's going on inside of you. I don't know why the science has always told us that we get the eggs when we're born. That's all you have. And that's the quality is just going to be that. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's no metal plate. <laughs> They're not in a metal box. They mimic what's going on in that environment. So when you're dealing with major thyroid issues and get to that Hashimoto stage, you only got to imagine that, those eggs are being affected too. So the good news is it doesn't really matter how many eggs you have left. It matters the quality of those eggs. So yeah, she's spot on. The longer that you can um, wait to dramatically lower that inflammation. And for some people, it could take a month, three months, six months. And then from that point, you want to have your body in thrive mode because it takes three months for those eggs to mature and you want them to be maturing in your thrive area, right? So a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to wait three months from when I started my diet or when I started my lifestyle changes or whatever that may be. Well, the reality is it's going to take a bare minimum three months just to get out of survival mode. And so when you're out of that zone, that's when you're like, okay, I'm going to recommit to another round of IVF, another round of IUI, try naturally again. Um, Because, you know, it's expensive, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And... um, I know that we feel very time poor in like a lot of different areas. Like we've been trying a really long time, you know, like it's been a long way. We wanted to, you know, have a family already. And then we have the doctors now going, oh, well, you don't have many eggs left. You better hurry up and get them. Well, it doesn't work that way. They're going to be there. And the more chance you um, give your body to boost that cellular health, the eggs that you have left are gonna have a better chance okay does that make sense
1: yeah it makes sense yeah Just a little longer
0: yeah I mean it sucks <laughs> it is like the worst thing you can ever ever tell someone is to to wait um but time's on your side you know we're not, you know um I don't know if you want to tell the listeners how old you are
1: How old am I? Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm 35.
0: Okay. So you're 35 year old. You are a spring chicken. That is not old whatsoever. If you were 45 or 55, it would be a completely different conversation. Right? And unfortunately, the doctor's like, whoa, you're 35. That's getting old. You're, You're getting over that hill that is like completely downhill from here where it's not. If you are taking care of your cellular health, it, it, it's not downhill. It might be a, a little bit, but not as dramatic as the doctors lead us to believe. Okay. Um, so in regards of completely going dairy and gluten-free, have you uh, seen positive effects in your day-to-day normal life?
1: I would say the my energy levels um, I wouldn't say necessarily more energy, but just stable where I'm not crashing a couple times a day at work, you know, and exhausted by the end of the day where I could just fall asleep at any moment. So my energy is definitely stable where I'm not, um, crashing at all. You know, I don't have caffeine either cut that out. Um, so I, I feel like my energy stable. Um, the one thing that I, I sleep, I fall asleep fine, but I always wake up between like two and four in the morning and have trouble falling back asleep. Mm-hmm. That hasn't gotten better. I'm, I'm hoping it does, you know, I'm doing the magnesium and all that, but um, definitely my energy levels um, and like, you know, with that comes like better mood, um, you know, more patience and energy to do things at home after work. So um, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me. And it took a little bit, I would say a good, I don't know, three weeks to a month before I started to notice I wasn't crashing, you know, probably like, you know, around lunchtime, then at the end of the day um, where I'm like, okay, I can go home and clean up, make dinner and feel okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I always
0: say this uh, just so that, you know, like gl- going gluten and dairy-free is a really great step um but a lot of people with autoimmune issues like Hashimoto's need to go a little bit more with their diet so I think it would be very beneficial to you to at least discover and play around or get a food sensitivity test a high quality one because the issue is and this is what I had with myself and what I've seen with my clients is that um it takes longer to heal if you keep introducing things that you're actually highly intolerant to. So for me, I was intolerant to things like tomatoes, paprika, aubergines, all the nightshades that is very common for people who have developed a full-blown autoimmune issue. And um I didn't really realize that I was still super intolerant to them because I saw all these improvements going gluten and dairy free and all that. But when I discovered that I was intolerant, that was like the missing link. And my gut health was able to really heal because I was actually eating those things like almost daily, right? Because they're healthy. And so even though I felt better, I still wasn't getting and staying pregnant, even with the assistance of IVF right? So between my two IVFs, I went paleo. And even though my A quality got better, I didn't, I didn't get pregnant with a fresh transfer. We made um, healthier embryos. So that was good. And we froze them, but um, it was a missing link. And I think for you, that would be something to really investigate. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that, and this is the, This is the issue, and I want everyone to be really aware of this, is that when you're working with an expert, sometimes they give you their opinion or sometimes they think, well, you're not presenting this way, so maybe that's not your issue, right? Like You really want to explore a kind of wide area around that because that might be your missing link. And when it comes to fertility and IVF, like we don't, we don't want to wait six months to find that out. We don't want to go through another round of IVF and then go, okay, I'll do that food sensitivity test or I'll just do an elimination diet even more and, and go autoimmune paleo for a month. You know, like we want to know that now. So that, w- what, that would be definitely something that I would look into and see, see where you're at because I know it's hard right? Like diet changes are not easy. Um, so it would be like, I always teach like a gradual method. So, okay. You've, you've done the gluten and the dairy. Is there anything else that you might think, you know, would be prudent to get off of, um, corn might be an issue. Um, I'm trying to think of the top. So gluten, dairy, corn, soy, um, And soy is pretty avoidable if you're already eating clean. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah. Issue with soy. I think uh, something too, like paleo versus autoimmune paleo, is like I have not cut out like nuts and seeds.
0: Yeah, there's a lot on the autoimmune paleo diet and um so it's really prudent just to maybe take tackle a section at a time so the nuts and seeds the nightshades uh the legumes you know things like that um and that's why sometimes testing is just like an easier route right you get the test and it it basically confirms some things and um i'm definitely a true believer if you reduce that inflammation by 90 percent it's not about being perfect. It's not about knowing every single little thing or avoiding everything like, like all the time. But you know that I was probably at like seventy to eighty percent, and that ten percent of cutting out that nightshades just like it took three weeks for my last symptom, which I didn't think was a symptom because I improved so much, mm-hmm. um, was gone. Um, and then eventually, staying away from all that. That's how I got pregnant naturally. So that's definitely something that I would look into. Um, um, In regards to um, the mental and emotional side of everything, uh, your stress levels, where do you think you're at? Uh,
1: I feel like they've improved a lot. I feel like during the time of IVF, it probably wasn't so good. So I have been focusing on just like self-care um, doing some yoga, even if it's just a short amount of time, like 10 minute video or whatever I decrease, I was doing like CrossFit style workouts. It's something that, um, she recommended that I decrease Still st- strength training. because That's still important. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. intense, high intensity. Um, and that way, you know, it's not more stress on my body. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I've been trying to do at least once a week yoga, at least once a week strength training. I mean, just since May, well, which has been like six months now, um, I've lost like 15 pounds and I wasn't like a large person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but after all the IUIs and IVFs, I did like gain a lot of weight. So, and it's, my goal is not to lose weight, but I mean, it's coming along with it where I feel like, Oh, I'm actually like losing weight. And Mm -hmm. so, um, it's interesting because I'm working out a lot less. So um Yeah. Because yeah. weight literally
0: it, it, the whole calories in, calories out is is there to a certain extent, but like working out um it does obviously improve the body's physique, but weight basically is a sign of inflammation right? And some people are just genetically prone to carry that weight more. And some people don't express inflammation at all, you know, through weight. So um, obviously, going through very many, you know, medical cycles, and really hijacking your hormones, that's when weight will be put on, you know, when your hormones are out of sync, that's when weight tends to come. Um, So that's great. I mean, that's, that's what you really want to focus on are these normal issues or these common issues or things that kind of just annoy you, right? Like most people dealing with fertility issues, we're not a sick community in the sense that we're in hospital. You know, we're still really type A, like always on the go. We work full-time jobs. Um, but I'm, unfortunately that, um, isn't necessarily great for us either, right? Infertility just happens to be the big red stop sign going, look, my body my body you I'm not healthy, I'm not happy, and this is my way of showing you that I cannot create another human being because I'm barely keeping you alive. Okay? Um but the good news is is that most of it is completely reversible and if you do need that medical assistance, it is going to give you that little boost as well. Um, do you think you um, have like a a little inkling of why you develop thyroid issues? Do you remember what age you were around that you kind of started noticing things? I
1: do not know, well, um when I started college right out of high school um most likely maybe like my sophomore year or something of college I was just tired all the time Mm
0: -hmm.
1: maybe even like right when I started I was just so tired so I'd have like coffee and then you know I'd work full time and go to school at night so then I'd have like a rock star or something an energy (laughs) and um I was just, I couldn't, I was just tired and I would go into the doctors and I didn't even know that my dad's sister and my dad's mom, my grandmother, um, both have hypothyroidism as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I would go to the doctors. Oh, well, your iron's fine. And this is fine. They never tested my thyroid. And it wasn't until I was like maybe 19 where I had a seizure because it was so out of whack. And so when they did the testing, that's when they found, oh, your thyroid is like at a, like a twenty something, yeah, and it is outrageous. And so I got on medication, and um, so, and then from there it just was never the same, like energy level wise, never with coffee. I mean, nothing really helped. It just was so. I feel that's why I feel like cutting everything out. Just these past few months, I feel like, wow. I'm my energy level starting to feel better. Like, you know, when I was 18, it's been like almost 20 years, but yeah. it's barely starting to come back where I'm feeling like a normal person. where I don't have to go do, you know, do some errands and then take a nap because I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing the, the stress that we can put on our bodies and how long it can maintain that. Um one of the things that um I do within the course and with the coaching is um I try to help uncover where it started because I think sometimes especially on the mental and emotional side it could be a real big game changer of um of healing right? There's a reason why our body's doing this. Like, okay, yeah, we're genetically prone to it, but there's certain reasons why we got there, right? Our genetics only express things because of our environment, right? Mm -hmm. So um, obviously we're not going to get super deep on this, but I would, um, and I'll put it in your notes and give you some um, places to look at Look at your, your childhood, look at those teen years and okay, we have the diet. Like if you're on the standard, typical American diet, we get that part, but that's only part of the story. Right. Because our bodies can take a lot. So if if we had no mental and emotional stress, I think we could probably survive pretty good on a shitty diet for a really long time. But because we have that mental and emotional stress and we were so unaware of how that can physically manifest. Um, we were really, you know, and then a lot of us moved in from high school. I mean, I was working 40 hours a week and going to high school my senior year. And then we move that into our college years and then we get to drink. And then with those late nights and we're not sleeping. Um, but, um, it's really prudent to really take a hard look back at your past and go, okay, what situations or what upbringings or, Um, How was my family dynamics? How did that play into really starting to put a physical, you know, pressure on me? Um, So that can be, uh, you know, anything. And
1: I can definitely uh, of some.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone can, right? I just don't think anyone dealing with fertility issues can look back and be like, oh my God, I have a a picture perfect life, right? Um, It's very rare um so yeah I'll send you some links and some guidance but that's one big thing um that is really missing in a lot of um you know in the medical field right like the the fertility doctors are never going to ask you that but I personally believe that um and the science backs it up is that that this contribute contributed to where you are right now and um, the good news is, is that when you heal from those things, you're not just healing mentally and emotionally, but you're healing physically. And also what is amazing about it is that you um, get to take this healing and this growth within inside of you and bring it into motherhood right? You get to stop the generational traumas or put on something, your child that maybe, you know, was really impactful for you, but you never want to put it on them, but because of the subconscious mind, it ends up there. So that's why I talk a lot about being, you know, conscious, because when we're conscious of these things, we do better and we take better steps and, and therefore, you know, have happier and healthier babies.
1: a lot of sense actually
0: yeah yeah um what else um in regards of healing your gut are you doing any uh gut protocol at the moment with supplementation or anything like that uh supplementation
1: I take uh repair bites okay the um which is supposed to—I don't know—first thing in the morning, no water, or anything. I just have the powder, mix it with water, and have that first thing. Um, I'm trying to think of the other supplements, probiotic. Uh, you know, specific brand she recommended of like medication I was taking. You know, like I don't know, off Amazon or Costco, and she's like, no. <laughs> Good <laughs> brands are more. You know, you're going to spend more, but the quality there yeah so I've uh, you know, just bought those brands of you know probiotics, the different fish oil and stuff like that. So gut health that's those are the two I can think of the repair bite and the um, probiotic. Cool. yeah.
0: yeah, at least she's got you on like something. I think I always have a big issue when they're just like, well, just cut out these food because even though you don't need the supplements, um, it just like, Maximizes the healing time, right? It just gets you over that hump a little bit quicker when you do. And because you're taking away all the inflammation, the supplements can actually do their job. Um, so that's really good.
1: I know. I'm like so excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, is there anything else in your journey or right now that you have questions about or, or you're
1: wondering? it's so hard because I feel like I've been researching and I think I've listened to all of your podcasts that apply to me. <laughs> and so, you know, I just feel like I'm on this learning curve of just, you know, just, um, what's the word? just informing myself. Um, but I do, I, I do think I need more guidance and I, that's why I think I reach out to a dietitian and then maybe with, more information from you, maybe, you know, just spending that time and money on like some coaching um, just to, you know, just have more guidance and you guys are the experts. And so, like you said, getting that testing done and um, like, what do you do with the food sensitivity? Like, what do you, what do we do with that? Do you just cut out those foods or Yeah. I mean, um, the MRT
0: test that I do, um, it actually comes with like a diet plan behind it, but it's pretty intense. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of advise advise my clients, like, look, you could do that, but, um, it's, it's not going to be harmful, but if you're at a mental and emotional state where you're like, no, I can't even go there, then I, it's not going to hurt you. Like I've never had someone. I don't think I've ever actually had someone do the diet plan behind there. You know, it's just a big enough news to see the foods that they can't eat because it tests for the moderate and for the um, like, uh, like severe. And during the healing phase, the moderate foods are out too. So, and even if like gluten and dairy don't show up, it's still something that we advise you not to be on because the problem with the gluten and dairy, I personally don't believe that many people are actually intolerant to the gluten and the dairy. It's all the other crap that comes in those um, packages and the cheeses and stuff. So um, I always advise, okay, if it doesn't show up, you're allowed to have it, but moderation and it has to be like the top of the top right like slow fermented um sourdough breads you know like if you can get a dairy farm right next to you you know like that type of stuff Mm -hmm. um But yeah, I mean, I've never had one that didn't show up something super surprising as well. So like, I remember one time asparagus showed up for a client. She's like, oh my God, I eat this like almost every day. Um, Like green beans have shown up. Um, I actually did one on my mom and this was the saddest one because she was intolerant to corn, avocados and coffee. And she literally was having those like daily. And so she was so sad but she dropped 15 pounds at the beginning of COVID just due to lowering that inflammation, no working out, no nothing else. So um, it was just a big testament of like how food plays such an important part of every aspect of your body. Um, So yeah, that's what the sensitivity test and it's really I never did a, t- a test that it wasn't available when I was going through this, um, but I always do say if I would have, if it was available and I invested the money at the beginning of my journey, I probably would have saved myself five years. Like that's how dramatic it food was for me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where you go with that. And then, um, it's really just like layering it, right? Like if a lot of your favorite foods come on that you're eating all the time and you're just like, I just can't do that. It's too stressful. It's just like, okay, let's look at two of them and then we'll, we'll work our way. But to be honest, I think with fertility, most people are so done with the BS. They're just like, I'll do it. (laughs) Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it because I don't want to go through what I've been going through anymore.
1: Yeah. And it's almost too, like, sometimes, like you said, it just takes months, right? Mm -hmm. So, you're like, is it working? Is it not? And I know you always mention, like, well, you'll see it in other areas. So, I'm like, okay, well, I'm seeing it with my energy levels, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, that's good. And um, so, yeah, so I'm just trying to like look at those things, and because obviously I just want to feel good too, you know. Yeah, it's like you said, there's some things you don't know that you felt before, and that now they're going away and you feel better. Um, and there's things like that where like my energy always stood out to me, and I just thought, oh, it's just part of my, you know, condition. Hashimoto's—that's one of these symptoms, you know, fatigue, and so that's just part of it, but obviously there was more i could have been doing yeah
0: absolutely um and you know people have gone into remission with hashimotos by diet and lifestyle changes right it's completely reversible um you obviously got to get your ducks in a row of like what you need to do and then it it becomes a lifestyle right because it's not like you can heal it and then i'm going to go back to my old ways and it, it will come back, right? It's it's definitely managing that. And even on a mental and emotional level, even if um you're like, okay, I'm gonna visualize this and we're gonna get rid of this and you know do both together, if you jump off that bandwagon, it can come back, right? It's there's no it's not like it's not like surgery they remove it it's gone it's never going to come back right but then you're going to have lots of other issues if you don't have a thyroid because that is just such an important part of being a human but especially a woman and especially with your endocrine system and your fertility um and the other thing i which i'm really really glad that you're taking these steps to do it is and it's not talked about enough is that when you're dealing with thyroid issues and you're not trying your your hardest to reverse them, your pregnancy can lead to so many complications because your thyroid is struggling in the first place. And then you put the pressure of pregnancy on that. I've seen so many women just really fall off their cliff, postnatal depression, issues during the pregnancy, you know, hard labors, they can't breastfeed, even though they want to breastfeed. I'm not saying you have to, but you know, there's, there's so much more to think of than just getting pregnant when you're dealing with these issues. And unfortunately, I do not think that the um, fertility clinics and fertility world on that side does enough justice for that. And like I personally believe it's almost like malpractice. You're literally putting these women's lives and these babies' lives at risk. And the statistics are out there, right? When when I got pregnant with my IVF baby in the UK, I went to the midwife and they're, you know, they see your notes. You're like, oh, you're IVF. Oh, you're special. And they like treat you like this delicate little flower. And I'm like, why am I special? She's like, well, you're IVF. And they're like, I don't know, this is what we're just being taught. And we have to monitor you more and you're going to have more um, appointments. And I personally now looking back think because IVF moms are having more complications because their bodies aren't healthy enough, right? It's not because of the IVF treatment. It's just, we bypassed something your body was saying, no, I can't do this right now for you. Um, And then um, when I got pregnant with my natural baby, I actually had a, a miscarriage from IVF two months before that so I went in and was like oh another IVF baby and I was like, oh no, it's natural and they're like, okay, you're on this level now <laughs> and then they're like, oh you're 37 you're, I was 36 oh you're 36 now you're over here because of your age I was like what the like, can you not just look at me as a healthy human and take my vitals and see how I'm producing now instead of, you guys is, you know, just checklists of things. So um, I think it's really, really important that we get that consciousness in our head that it is a bigger, bigger picture here. And because some of us are those older moms, right? And um, you don't want to be just imagine having a baby and feeling as tired as you have done the last 10 years right? And not having enough energy to keep up with them. And then, okay, we're going to get into our fifties and they're in, in like high school and we're too sick to like go to their, you know, things, you know, it's, it's not tangible because it's, it's hard to think of your future that far forward, but that's kind of what even keeps me going with my diet and my lifestyle now it's like i'll be in my 50s before my you know my kids are in high school like my friends are going to be grandmas you know before my kids graduate so i'm like i got to take care of my health i want to be there i want to be present
1: yes yeah Just like knowing just within a few months like how i'm feeling I do think more about the future and like, wow, I can feel good and feel even better. Eventually, you know, like you said, once I figure out what's right for me, eating wise, um, and it does get easier. Like I said, I started cutting stuff out, reducing it a lot before the dietitian, and it does get easier. Like yes. even at work, like, you know, there's a lot of cupcakes and mm-hmm. potlucks and it's just been so much easier to just like, nah, I'm good. You yeah. know, I have my prepared lunch or whatever. And it's really, cause I know how it's going to make me feel. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just been, yeah, a lot easier and I just feel better. And other people might not understand it. Even my husband, not quite all the way on <laughs> board, but um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm
1: going to stick to it. <laughs>
0: good yeah it does get easier and you do feel like the weirdo in the room I used to eat before we went out because I didn't want to to be awkward with my food order um yeah and and like we would travel to friend's house and bring food and they're like what are you doing I was like look I just don't want to put you out I know you're not going to have what I want to eat and I eat Um, vegetables for breakfast. (laughs) And I know you're not going to have it. And I that's fine. But I need to stick to what I'm doing. And it pays off in so many ways. I mean, like you just said, like feeling better, having that energy to live life, it like it's invaluable, right? And especially if you've been dealing with it for 15 years. Um, And I always say like, when you're tired of your own BS, that's when big changes start to happen. You know, when you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I need, this isn't working for me. I need to try this. It might seem radical. Radical. And the funny thing is, is that I still laugh of like radical, like we're improving our diets. That's more radical than like injecting ourselves with like loads of medication. Like, like this is so backwards, Mm
1: -hmm. but um,
0: we all get there in our own time. Don't we? Yes. Eggs.
1: Yeah. And then just one last question about eggs. Is that like a common allergy is eggs? Just yeah. Ask me not to eat eggs, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eggs is one
0: of the top, um, allergies for people, especially, uh, with autoimmune issues, Um, What I did, because I didn't know if I had an egg intolerance or not, it's actually the egg whites that most people are intolerant to. So I used to um, poach eggs and cut the white around and then crack the the yolk with on top of the vegetables or whatever was going on. And I did that for a really long time. Um, I'm just trying to think if the MRT divides the egg white and the egg yolk. Um, I'll put that in your notes for you because I'll send you uh, email with some show notes um, and let you know. Because, yeah, especially when your uh, breakfast is one of the hardest meals, right? When you're shifting up your diet, you can do salads and all that, but really getting your head around not having cereal or toast or oatmeal, um, eggs—you kind of like really rely on. But um, yeah, unfortunately,
1: they are. <laughs> I have shakes pretty much every morning. So that's what I've been doing for now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I will uh, see. And I'll send you a link to the Paleo Mom has a really good um, article, blog post on eggs. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're definitely, definitely on the right track with things. I I would say there's a few little things that could be, you know, be explored. Um, you're on the right track with the diet, but I would dig a little bit deeper, um, and then time, you know, just surrendering to that time and not pushing, um, to, you know, IVF is always going to be there. Trust me, they are not taking it away anytime soon. And, um, you are still at an age where you're not falling off that cliff. Six months to a year is not going to make a dramatic difference as the only way it's going to make a dramatic difference is because you're improving your cellular health and you're going to boost that a quality. So if, and when you choose to do IVF again, um, you know, hopefully there'll be a little bit better results. And hopefully your husband will come on board a little bit because I'm sure he's been told he's fine. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you've seen my posts or have heard me say, my husband was told the exact same thing that he was fine. And when he made changes, not radical like mine, but he decided to jump in his sperm improved by the millions. So it's, um, unfortunate that they, uh, don't put as much, um, effort into you know the sperm health as well and I would even say that the standards of like fineness you know they used to maybe sorry for everyone listening my hands are out wide they used to probably be like this and they're the range is probably even worse now you know or no opposite so they probably used to be like this was fine and because the population is getting worse and worse and worse the range of fine is much bigger so um yeah I think I just did a post on Instagram that said like fuck fine no one wants to be fine it's not (laughs) it's not it's not in our interest to be fine anymore because it's uh it's too big of a range Mm -hmm. but they get there in their own time and my best advice is just be um just be that shining light right the more they see the improvements in you they're like oh Okay, well, maybe I should jump on board. Um, and that's all you can really do. Okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. So yeah, just look out for an email that's the show notes or not the show notes, but the notes I'm gonna give to you. There'll be lots of links for you to explore and even um how to work with me as well. Um, and yeah, just keep going. You're doing you're you're doing great. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Have a great evening. You too, thank you. Bye. Bye. If you feel called to discover what you personally need to do and are ready to have an intimate conversation, please go down to the show notes. There's a link there that you can book your own personal discovery call. Also, for your chance to book your own podcast discovery call, I do send out a email to my email subscribers every two months looking for new guests. So if you're not already on the email list, I highly suggest you sign up today.